This is Anchored in Christ, the sermon podcast that gives you hope in the gospel as an anchor for your soul. Brought to you from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. In these COVID careful days, this service was held outside. We hope you were able to appreciate the sound of the birds and the dogs, as well as the passing trucks and cars. The message of God's word is still clear and audible. Our second reading comes from Revelation. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ to John. And I am reading from the first chapter, the first 11 verses. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testified to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of the prophecy. Blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. John, writing to the seven churches that are in Asia. Grace to you, peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of the king of kings, to him who loves us, and freed us from our sins by his blood and made us to be a kingdom, priests serving his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds. Every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And on his account, all the tribes of the earth will wail. So it is to be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, your brother, who share with you in Jesus the persecution and the kingdom, the patient endurance. I was on the island called Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice, like a trumpet, saying, Write in a book what you see. Send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Let us pray. Jesus, these words in a letter to John, to us. We ask that you would give us ears to hear and that something in our heart would awaken and that you would give us that spark of faith that we might receive your word to us today. We make our prayer in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I am learning how to preach from an iPad and um, I'm learning. Isn't it great to learn? I would like to uh, say that we have had a lot going on in light of COVID, 
I think some of us have done things we never dreamed we would be doing. And one of those is to be wearing masks every time we are with one another. I know Hunter over here, our grandson, has a Crayola mask. I saw this week someone who had her dog's picture on her mask. I know if Tim Knicker were here, we would have a Kansas City Chief mask. And now I've seen that there are clear plastic windows where you can see people's mouths talking. I mean, who would have guessed that we would all be doing this kind of mask wearing? Some of us have experimented with creative cooking. I call it the COVID casserole. It's what you do when you go through the refrigerator, you go through the pantry, and you say, I can mix this with that. Very creative cooking. Now, how many of you present have had a COVID haircut? It's a do-it-yourselfer. A do-it-yourselfer haircut. All right, so we, we, we've done that. I was talking with someone in the congregation who told me about the COVID roller coaster. That's when you feel like you're gonna do this okay. You're gonna be all right. Everything's working. And then you go down. And you realize how much has been lost. And you, you feel heavy in your heart. It's a roller coaster and you never really know what the day will hold. COVID is a threat, but we can acknowledge that it's not the only threat we're facing. We have seen black men and women murdered in the last few months, and racism has been unmasked. That's not all. We are witnessing riots taking hold in cities, and we are seeing the nation bathed in violence. We are witnessing politics at a boiling point and natural disasters of epic proportion. The question I have is, what for heaven's sake is going on? That's what we're going to be looking at in Revelation. Three things I believe that we will look for in this passage that we heard read. The first is, where is Jesus in all of this? Second is, why is this letter called the Revelation? And thirdly, what are we to do in light of this Revelation? Where is Jesus in all of this? The context of Revelation is John, an old apostle. He was old, and it was written in 96 AD. It was a time of fear, when the future looked even worse. The emperor was Domitian. And Domitian, like most tyrants, was insecure. And so he made an edict that every Roman subject would be required to worship him. All you had to do was say three simple words, Caesar is Lord. And then say it with a pinch of incense and a flame to show it was a prayer. It's all you had to do to spare your life. Anyone refusing 
would be killed. Now Christians knew to respect Caesar. They knew to respect the government. But to say that Caesar is Lord, no, no, there was only one. And because of their refusal, 40,000 Christians were killed in only one year alone. Now that oldest apostle, John, he was one of the 12 with Jesus 70 years earlier. He was too popular. He was too important in the Christian world for Domitian to kill. So Domitian had John exiled to a very small rock island in the Aegean Sea, the island of Patmos, a prison island. It reminds me of when former South African President Bota sentenced the important and popular African civil rights leader, Nelson Mandela, to life in prison on Robben Island. Mandela was permitted to write one person a letter every six months and to receive one letter. Nelson Mandela was permitted to receive a visit by one person for 30 minutes once a year. That went on for 27 years. Now, while John is on the island of Patmos as a prisoner, he's permitted to write one letter. And that's the letter we began to read this morning. It describes the revelation that John received from Jesus while he was worshiping on a Sunday morning, the Lord's Day. So now we have to ask again, where is Jesus in all of this? Surely, at some point in your life, you've asked the same question. Maybe even more now than ever. Where is Jesus in the pandemic? the time of racial turmoil? Where is Jesus when there is too much work to do and the family needs are too many? Where is Jesus when the energy is low and when the finances dry up? Where is Jesus when we find ourselves living on the edge? As a prisoner on the island of Patmos, John might wonder, where is Jesus? But that's the question that Revelation answers. So while worshiping on a Sunday in the Spirit, Jesus Christ appeared to John and he told him to write down everything that he heard and saw. And what did John hear and see? Well, he heard first a, a loud sound behind him that sounded like a trumpet. And the words were, write in a book what you see. Send it to the seven churches. Now, seven is one of the numbers in Revelation that means something. It's symbolic. Anytime you hear the word seven in Revelation, that means it's complete, it's full, it's just a, a, a whole. So we're hearing a message that's sent to the complete or whole church. It's a letter for us today. Where is Jesus? 
Well, he's not looking down from heaven, leaving us alone to figure it all out. He is with us. He is in control from beginning to end. Neither you nor the world are missing from the GPS of God. Our lives are located on the map of God's purposes. Remember what we heard read from Isaiah 43. Do not fear, I have redeemed you. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and when you walk through fire, you shall not be burned. I am the Lord your God, your Savior, because you are precious in my sight and honored, and I love you. This is what we discover in Revelation, in a person, Jesus Christ. So why is this letter called Revelation? Well, in English it's Revelation, but it comes from the Greek word, because the New Testament was written in Greek, for apocalypse. Apocalypse. So when we hear that word apocalypse, it brings to our mind all kinds of images of overwhelming disasters which spell doom and the end of life as we know it. There's a company called Vivos, if you want to look it up. It offers to help anyone who wants to prepare for the end of the world. Vivos will give a long list of all the different types of disasters beginning from a nuclear war or an asteroid strike or mass anarchy. And if you have paid them $35,000 a person, you can own an underground complex, co-own, that will survive any catastrophe. The complexes comfortably accommodate groups from 50 to 1,000 people, spacious living quarters. Everything is provided for up to a year of survival while you ride out the disaster. The only thing that owners need to do is to arrive at their facility before the doors are locked from the chaos taking place above. All I have to say is good luck. Now is this the meaning of apocalypse in the Revelation to John? Listen again to what we heard from chapter 1. The revelation, that is the apocalypse, of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads aloud. Blessed are those who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. Grace and peace from him who is and was and who is to come. To him who loves us and freed us from our sins. What does apocalypse mean in the Bible? Apocalypse means unveiling what is hidden. It's like lifting the cover off of a good smelling pot of stew. It's like pulling back the curtain on a Broadway play. The letter of Revelation is the apocalypse, the unveiling of Jesus Christ as he is now. We have in our images how he was when he walked on earth in that earthly ministry. Who is he now? 
What is he doing now? That is the apocalypse of Jesus Christ, the unveiling. There are no alternative facts in the book. There's only additional sight. The truth of the gospel in the 64 books that precede Revelation is told new and vivid images, and they stick with us. Let me give you an example. Think of the image, for those who are old enough, from July 20, 1969, when Neil Armstrong walked on the moon and he planted the American flag. What does that image evoke in you? Pride in our nation, strength of working together. Now think of the image of May 25th of this year with the knee of a police officer pressed down for more than eight minutes on the neck of George Floyd. What does that image evoke in you? Images have a way of going beyond our head and into our heart and it awakens our emotions. As you experience the images that we will encounter in Revelation, your thinking and your feeling will be changed by the power and the humility of Jesus Christ. You will see and you will feel that evil is doomed and that those who put their faith and hold fast to Jesus Christ, living in his life, will share in his ultimate victory. In Revelation, what is hidden is unveiled. And we find that God is in full control. We discover that things are not as they seem. So finally, what are we to do in light of this revelation? I believe there are two things. The first is to receive the message to you and receive it as an assurance. Receive it as an assurance that your life is covered in Jesus. I don't know if you recognize the name Dennis Haysburg. I didn't recall his name when Jim and I came across him years ago at Copley Hotel in Boston. I did recognize his voice and his face, however. Dennis Haysburg played President David Palmer on the TV series 24. He's now in every Allstate commercial. Allstate has you covered. Are you in good hands? You know what I'm talking about? Revelation assures us that we are in good hands. God has us covered in Jesus Christ. Jesus' resurrection is evidence that abundant life cannot and will not be taken away by circumstances, no matter how hellish the circumstances are. The second thing that we are to do in light of Revelation is to obey what we hear as faithful disciples 
of Jesus Christ. Verse 3. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words. Blessed are those who hear and keep what is written in it. For the time is near. Revelation is a down-to-earth discipleship manual. How to follow Jesus when times are at their worst. And we not only hear that Jesus is with us, but we are called to live into that reality so that it's expressed in the life that we're living, whether it's at school, or work, in our homes, in the community. Let me illustrate. Remember the explosion that rocked the port city of Beirut on August the 4th? The power of that blast was one-tenth of the explosive power of Hiroshima, atomic bomb. The blast in Beirut killed 190 people. It wounded 6,500. It left 300,000 homeless. And within hours of the explosion, our mission partner that we contribute to and pray for, the Outreach Foundation, was in touch with the Christian family. Within 48 hours, funds were wired to pay for the repair of the damaged churches, to repay for a large city school, to repay for the pharmacy that provides for the refugees, to pay as well for the school for autistic and blind students, and another school for children of migrant workers and refugees. One week after the blast, Reverend Joseph Kassab, he's the general the secretary of the Synod of Syria and Lebanon. He shared these words with the trustees. Hear them. We need to tell the story of Jesus, retelling the story every time of Jesus. If they watched the life and ministry of Jesus, they would discover the answer. People are always facing difficulties in economics, health, family, and relationships. We have to tell them that nothing evil can come from God. All that we are experiencing is done by human will and human hands. People look to those who claim to be representatives of God. People look at us, and either they get closer to the church and the truth behind the church, or they run away. We are called to faithfulness. We might not be called to solve all the problems, but just to be faithful. Do you wonder what for heaven's sake is going on? Jesus is with us. He's speaking to us today. He gives us his assurance of his victory, and he commissions us to live faithfully, steadfastly in him. For heaven's sake, will you believe and respond to the message that comes today? Let us pray. Lord, we pray that you would give us the faith that we need. And we pray that you would touch our sight so that we can see what you and who you are and trust in your victory and live for you as dedicated followers of Jesus. We pray in your holy name. Amen.
Thank you for listening to this sermon from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. If you'd like more information about our historic church, or you'd like to find out more about the gospel of Jesus, please visit our website at oldsouthnbpt.org. The peace of Christ be with you.